This is the Cody McClure Show, presented by Three Points Dance Magazine. Welcome to week three of the Cody McClure Show. I am your host, Cody McClure, alongside my co-host tonight, Sam Foreman. Back with you after another great weekend of games. Uh, plenty to talk about tonight. A couple of upsets, a couple of near upsets. Had a thriller in Knoxville. Hogs went down in War Memorial Stadium. Um, before we go any further into that, Sam, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. You know, spent some time out on the golf course this morning relaxing, soaking in, and soaking up the nice cool weather, and reflecting on this week's college football. Yeah, it was a good weekend. There's no doubt about that. Uh, by the way, if you're tuning in on Periscope, I know we've got a little bit of a live crowd out there. Uh, if you haven't been, if you haven't listened to the show before, uh, this show is streaming live on Periscope. You can get that through my Twitter account, at Cody McClure CFB. Also check out at Sam W. Foreman. The Cody McClure Show is presented by Three Point Stance Magazine, and uh, you can also follow them on Twitter, at 3PSMag. Uh, this show will go up, This, as some of you who listen every week already know, this is the live, uncut version, kind of the raw version. Uh, the cleaned up podcast will be posted here in a couple of days, also on my Twitter account, and 3PSMag.com. Be sure to check out the site. We've got lots of great contact there, uh, content on the site talking college football, pro football. This, of course, is an SEC-specific show, but you can also check out plenty of NFL talk at 3psmag.com, and uh, my editor, Brandon Rush, they do radio every week as well, uh, Three Point Stance Magazine Radio. Um, also, I know that we are sideways for the Periscope viewers. We are aware of that. Uh, all you got to do, really, is just turn your device the other way, and that'll fix that problem. So before we go any further, Sam, you got a uh, score recap from Saturday. All right, let's get your SEC score recap going. Jacksonville State barely fell just short of defeating Auburn. Auburn wins 27-20 to in overtime. Auburn gave up 438 yards to Jacksonville State. Fresno State falls to Old Miss 73-21. to Old Miss 607 yards of total offense. Kelly goes 20 of 25 for 346 yards, four touchdowns. 10th ranked Georgia defeats Vanderbilt 31 to 14. Vanderbilt 400 total yards in the game, but three turnovers. They ran 92 total plays. Misses, ah, sorry. MTSU falls to number two, Bama 10 to 37. Derrick Henry 18 carries for 96 yards, three touchdowns. 
16th-ranked Texas A&M defeats Ball State 56-23. to Texas A&M with 503 total yards in the game. Eastern Carolina falls just short of beating Florida for the second time in under a year. The Gators win 31-24. South Carolina falls to University of Kentucky 22-26. 14th-ranked LSU survives a very interesting game at the end at 25th-ranked Mississippi State. The Tigers win 21 to 19, Leonard Fournette, 28 carries for 159 yards, three touchdowns in that one. Missouri defeats Arkansas State on the road, 27 to 20. 19th ranked Oklahoma defeats 23rd ranked Tennessee, 31-24 in two overtimes. Tennessee had a 17-0 lead in the second quarter. And I saved this last just for you. Toledo defeats 18th ranked Arkansas, 16 to 12. Allen was 32 of 53 for 412 yards and one interception for the Hogs. Interesting. A couple of folks on Periscope uh, kind of gave us some messages there. Uh, first of all, the thing about uh, Kim Kardashian, uh, I'm with you on that. Definitely. I missed that one. What definitely. Definitely. I'm with you on Kim Kardashian. Um, also, we got a request to start with LSU and Mississippi State. We Let's can't, do it. We can't skip the Hogs this week. We'll get to the Hogs, but first we're going to start in Stark Vegas. Start Vegas. LSU went into that game, and you know we really didn't know much about them going we really in. They didn't. they didn't play against McNeese State, but they went in week one. I thought it was a good win for LSU, twenty-one to nineteen. I saw a lot of the LSU fans on Twitter were not happy with that game. They thought that LSU could have won that game by four touchdowns, and it was horrible play calling. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, you got to take Les Miles' uh, play calling as it is. He's a pretty aggressive guy. Uh, he's not going to call a game too conservatively, whereas we did see one game that was very conservative this week. We'll get to that one in a little bit. Uh, but overall, I liked LSU's performance. Mississippi State, uh, I thought LSU controlled the game for the most part, and Mississippi State came back an excellent drive by Dak Prescott to get them in position to kick a field goal to win it. They just missed it wide right by about 15 yards. But overall, I thought both teams looked pretty good. I was impressed by... Uh, by Stark Vegas there. I, I thought Mississippi State fared better than, than I thought they would. I had LSU by a couple of scores in that game. So, again, the SEC West uh, might have been a little bit watered down this week. Uh, we saw some trouble out of Arkansas and Auburn, but I thought that those two teams at least looked good. And, yeah, it's a good point. The running game did seal it. Uh, Leonard, Four did. Leonard Fournette, I mean, he's he's a man. He's going to be hard to stop. But He is the best back in the SEC. He is. What did you think about that game? Uh well, actually, I made it home uh, from the Tennessee-Oklahoma game in time to actually watch about the last probably eight or nine minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, very interesting game, uh, obviously close. Really tell of two different tapes. Mississippi State was all about the aerial attack. LSU give the ball to Leonard Fournette and let him do his thing. That's all they yeah. really had to do. Uh, Why not? The big thing, I think, that hurt LSU, nine penalties, 95 yards. I think that allowed Mississippi State to stick around. Uh, granted, it was their first game, so I think you're going to have more penalties in your first game, especially in a big SEC environment on the road. Uh, I think LSU only gets better from here, and they survived a game that a lot of people were questioning, could they handle and win after not playing their week one game. I'm Ward 13, says on Periscope, Fournette's the best player in the country. Uh, I'm not sure I can disagree with that. I think uh, Fournette, he, he's a running back, man. I'll give you the best running back in the country. I honestly do agree with that. Best overall player, 
I'm not so sure. I saw well, that's, another. Uh, see, that's hard to break down. True. It's true. I saw another comment earlier saying overrated uh, Prescott. I don't think it's so much about Dak Prescott being overrated. You and me talked last week. Dak Prescott really good, just has no one around him. Smoky Gray Vol, we will talk about Tennessee's epic collapse. Uh, that's something we're going to get to for sure. Before we get into any more game talk, though, I want to spend this first segment talking a little bit about some current news, some situations right now around the SEC. And uh, one situation not in the SEC, uh, I do think it's significant to college football, Malik Zaire. He went down in Notre Dame's game against Virginia Saturday. Yep. And he's going to be out for, for quite a while with a broken foot, wasn't it? Really gruesome ankle injury. Ankle broken, injury. Broken, okay. ankle, broken ankle. Really gruesome looking. Uh, not fun to watch. Uh, I was in those sort of Kevin Ware from Louisville incident, incidents yeah. almost. I was in the press box for the Tennessee-Oklahoma game when I heard about that. A, 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 a sports writer came down and he, he pretty much announced to our whole row, Hey guys, did you hear about Malik Zaire? And, and so I, I checked out on ESPN and, and looked over that. I think that's going to be a pretty big loss for Notre Dame. Uh, they squeaked out in that game against Virginia, but came from behind. But yeah, it's it's going to be tough for it's them. It's going to be big on them. And I tell you what, anybody who who wants to knock Notre Dame, I get that because there a lot of people hate Notre Dame, probably for good reason. But you really can't fault their scheduling like you can no. Ohio State. Notre Not Dame, like others. man, I was looking over that schedule today. Notre Dame t- plays some tough teams this well, year. Well, you know, everyone knocks Notre Dame for not being in a conference or not fully being in a conference, and they're sort of in football half and half in the ACC, and they're in the ACC for all sports other than football. But when you've looked at it, traditionally, Notre Dame, for not being in a conference, plays really more ranked teams than just about anyone outside of someone in the SEC West. Yeah. I mean, they always play USC's, you know, it seems like they always play in Michigan or Ohio State. They play Navy every year. They play really good teams every single year, Uh, but I do still, you know, we'll see how it goes with them sort of being in the ACC now. Ballquest on Periscope said uh, he bets Everett Golson wishes he had stayed now. I mean, yeah, probably so. I mean, I don't know. Golson. I I think he's better off at Florida State. He's working it in at Florida State, but the thing is, I'm not. I'm not sold on Florida State. They're hanging right around the top ten right now, but I I just don't see Florida State doing much this year. They were not very impressive in that win over South Florida on Saturday, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, Getting back to the SEC, though, uh, Tennessee's Kurt Majet out for an, an extended period of time with a hip injury. We don't know much about that yet, and, you know, Butch Jones hasn't released a lot of information on that. He said we'll know more later in the week. But, man, if Majit is out, that that's huge. I, I mean, mean that, Kurt Majit is the leader of Tennessee's defense. There's no denying that. It seems like he's a guy that's been around for a long time. And with a hip injury, I mean, I just I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's a cracked hip bone or if it's what kind of extent the injury is. I mean, Butch Jones just hasn't said much. There's there's more to be determined on that. Yeah. Well, Butch Jones said it's a freak injury, one of the freakish injuries he's ever seen. That alone is reason to be concerned for volunteer fans. Uh, I actually was in Neyland Stadium as well for Tennessee, Oklahoma, and actually had a pretty good angle on the play where he got hurt on a punt return, actually, which kind of brings to question why is Kurt Majit out there on punt block and punt return, I, I mean, I get it. He's one of your best overall players, but he, is. he jumped up in the air and then came down and then immediately just fell to the ground. For my angle, it looked like he was actually baggy, sorry, grabbing the back of his legs like he had maybe tweaked a hammy or was cramping, although a cool game, way too early for a player like Kurt Majit to be cramping up. So interesting all around. He wasn't grabbing really in his hip area to me, and he looked like he was able to walk off really well for a hip injury. 
uh, supposed to be reevaluated in the week. He obviously won't play against Western Carolina this week. Maybe could be back for the Florida game. If you're a Tennessee fan, you've got to hope he is. Yeah, fracture. If it is a fracture, it would require surgery. As someone said, they're probably out for the year. That that would be bad news, definitely for that would Tennessee. Be big time bad um, news. Hey, I, I know the Vol fans that are tuning in on Periscope, but give us your thoughts. If Majit is out, where does this Tennessee team go from here? Let us know about that, and let us know also your overall reaction from Saturday's game, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. A uh, little bit west in Little Rock. If you take I-40 west from Knoxville, about. 500 miles, you get to Little Rock. Keon Hatcher for the Hogs broke a foot. He's going to be out for six weeks. At least six weeks at the minimum. A big loss for Arkansas, which has really aired it out the first couple weeks more than most people expected. Arguably their best wide receiver. I mean, you're more of the oh, Hogs he is. guy than he I is. am. He is, he is. Uh, they don't have a lot of depth. But there. a big-time loss for them, especially when you're already down one of your two best running backs for probably until after the Tennessee game as it is really beat up Hogs team starting to roll into SEC play all of a sudden. And it's a really big loss for Arkansas if they're going to keep throwing it 50 times a game. Oh, seriously. I don't, I'm not sure what was going on there, but... We'll get uh, to that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try to dissect don't mean what to happened put, there. We don't mean to put everything off, but we will get to it a little bit later on. Uh, just going through some, some tidbits right now. Um, Florida... Jim McElwain, player sideline issues. Yeah, that was that was funny. That, that was, was he, interesting. Man, he to watch got on, on that guy. Center. Yeah, he really got on that guy. And uh, they released some audio a little bit later. I can't I can't exactly say what he said, but yeah, we're not allowed to say that on here. He was definitely getting after that guy for the throat slash. Um, and then uh, Oklahoma players, they've taken a lot of criticism over the last few days for the way that they kind of uh, taunted the Tennessee fans after the game. I know Butch Jones, according to Eric Stryker, Butch Jones said something to him along the lines of have some damn class. You know, a couple other I, words I know that you're, we're not allowed to say. I know you're a great player, but have some damn class. Uh, you know, I wasn't I didn't get all bent out of shape over that like a lot of people did. They just won an extremely emotional game. They're gonna be taunting, they're gonna be celebrating. You know, Oklahoma well, is Oklahoma. I, it, I know your opinion's a little different on it. I, I'm not too worried about I mean, it. For me, and you, you said it, our opinions are a little different on it. Uh, one, to me, it shows the different personalities of the head coach. Because the team always seems to reflect the personality of a head coach, for the most part. Tennessee, they lost dramatic fashion. Goes straight off in the tunnel. You know, there's some congratulations going on. Oklahoma, I mean, you have every right to celebrate. I would expect Tennessee to do the same thing if they had won. But, you know, run to your band, run to your fans, celebrate. That's one thing. That's all fine and good. If you want to talk some smack on the field, I'm even okay with that. But flipping Tennessee fans the bird, going up, Eric Stryker on video, insulting the SEC, saying, I'm disgracing, or I'm, uh, he worded, I'm disgracing the SEC, I think. Yeah. I'm insulting the SEC, disrespecting it on the SEC logo on the field in Neyland Stadium, their mascot um, doing inappropriate things to the T and pretending to, um, well, I don't know how to say it on the word, pretending to go to the bathroom on the T afterwards. Yeah, he was taking a dump uh, on the T. Just just yeah. say it like it is, man. <laughs> all right, we'll say it like An it is. An imaginary dump on the T. That's what the mascot was Yeah, doing. he was also humping the T as well at one yeah. point. Uh, so, I mean, overall, I think it got carried away. I think it was classless. Uh to a certain extent. To an extent, I understand it. Like you said, you just won a big game. You have every right to be excited. You have every right to be feeling a little cocky, but they took it too far. Also, Bob Stoops did mention that he is handling that internally and is addressing those players. They will be suspended. 
Um, Stoops himself. Stoops himself seemed pretty Im- impressed by Neyland Stadium uh, after the game. His press conference after the game. Stoops. I can tell you, Stoops was impressed by what he saw. He kind of blew it off all week. I think he was impressed. I think he liked the way Tennessee played too. And and honestly, I did too. Um, if if Tennessee goes and beats Florida in two weeks, this will all be forgotten, completely about, completely. forgotten about. That that's what matters for Tennessee. Yeah, it's a tough loss. I get that. Oklahoma, you're leading the game seventeen nothing. You want to win the game, but you beat Florida in two weeks. I guarantee you. And I know we got a couple Tennessee fans on here live right now. I guarantee you, most people would agree. Most Tennessee fans would agree. If Tennessee beats, if they could have one of those games. They take the Florida. Game. Oh yeah, and I mean it, it is when it comes out of SEC play, it's big. A uh, lot of passion from the Tennessee fan base, and a lot of trash talk from OU all week long. Players, coaches, not so much the OU fans, but Tennessee fans. They're going to defend their team to the very end, like a lot of SEC fan bases will. Whether they're right or wrong, they're going to defend them. They're going to defend their team to their last breath, and that's a lot of what it is. I just think it got carried away. And Oklahoma escalated a little too far. I mean, we saw last year when Tennessee came, when Tennessee pulled off the win at Vanderbilt, Kurt Majit waving the power T flag out on Vanderbilt's field. That's perfectly fine. That's acceptable. If an Oklahoma player grabbed the OU flag and waved it around, I'd be fine with that. No disrespect, and you know, in my opinion, being displayed there. But to cuss fans out, flip fans out. Try to well, like a, curse at the fans yeah. from the field. I saw one player, I don't remember who he is, he's number 15, came over to the student section. You could hear him from about 21 rows up cussing at people, telling, cussing at fans, telling them this ain't crap, giving them the shush shine, telling them just like last year, y'all are sh- you yeah, know, yeah. other things. That's unsportsmanlike. That's taking it too far. Yeah. I'm Ward 13. He says he says uh, he played baseball in the SEC, and that you're pretty much players are taught not to do that kind of thing. Yeah, which, you're exactly which you would, right. You would expect that. But um, anyway, moving on from that, uh, some other news. A news headline here: College Game Day going to be down in Tuscaloosa for Alabama and Ole Miss this weekend. Really, no surprise on that one. I mean, no, that should be a good. game. No, that's a big game. That's probably the biggest game in the SEC this weekend. Um, Alabama looked really good two weeks ago when they beat Wisconsin. I think they surprised both you and I a little bit. Uh, Saturday against Middle Tennessee State, uh, you, that game wasn't just out of hand. I mean, they won by 27 points. You kind of called that one. Yeah, I said it you would said, be closer than most people thought. Yeah, Middle Tennessee hung around for a little while. They played tough for a quarter or two. And then, you know, Bama's depth and, and, and their running game pulled away. Comfortable win for Alabama, but they look good right now. No questions about that. And then on the flip side of things, Ole Miss. Uh, I tell you what, man, I, I, I'm disappointed in Ole Miss's offense. Those they could have scored a hundred points for two weeks in a row. Yeah, they're only averaging seventy-four and a half points a game. How disappointing, you know? Yeah, apparently, you know, I don't know. Maybe they need to start wearing suits on the field and bow ties. Yeah. Maybe you know. Start scoring like they should. Yeah, but this Sparks, is unacceptable. Spark seven thirty seven said, uh, "Loving the new table." Are you the same guy that commented on the blinds last week? I think you. That's probably the same guy. Yeah, we got a lot of a lot of great decorations here. But no, yeah, getting back to that game though, huge game. Ole Miss they scored seventy six in week one. They scored seventy three last week. I mean, you really yes, got to. Yeah, yeah, I knew that was that was him. You really got to take it with a grain of salt. I think. I mean, they yeah. haven't played anybody yet. They're not going to put up half that, I, I wouldn't think, on Alabama's defense. No, so 
Fresno State's definitely a step up from UT Martin, but neither one of them are even Vanderbilt in the SEC, which you and me both think is by far the worst team in, well, we both have them as probably the worst team record-wise in the oh, conference. I, I think everybody does. Um, yeah. It's pretty much a consensus. Yeah, that's a good um, one. But they're definitely not Bama, and, you know, I actually think I it hurts Ole Miss that they haven't played anyone a little bit more challenging before they head in to Tuscaloosa that's, to take on the second-ranked Tide on the road. And I don't know about you, but I've been in Bryant-Denny a couple of times. may not be the most intimidating place in the world, but it's no – Oh, it gets High loud. school stadium. It gets no, pretty it, loud. It gets loud. It's and intense that, in there when those fans want to make it intense. And it's interesting that you mentioned maybe Ole Miss should have played somebody beforehand. Alabama was tested, not too much, but they no. were tested in that Wisconsin game against a, a pretty decent opponent. Ole Miss has not been tested yet. First road trip of the year in Tuscaloosa, and you know Alabama is hungry to beat Ole Miss. They, they felt disrespected losing that game last year. Ole Miss fans stormed the field after a, a 23-17 to win. Big emotional win early in the year and, and down in the Grove. So Alabama wants a piece of Ole Miss. Oh, they're they want get, bad. They're going to get it Saturday. Um, moving on, uh, South Carolina lost a close one to Kentucky. I think you touched on that one. 26-22. And, and Connor Mitch, what's going on with him? He, uh... Suffered a separated shoulder during the game. He was then later hospitalized after the game, both for the separated shoulder as well as a infection in his hip. Um, obviously, you have a separated shoulder for a quarterback. It's rumored he possibly will be out for the year. A lot of times, a separated shoulder, I believe, actually requires surgery. Um, so, obviously, we'll have to just wait and see on that. But we were already talking quarterback situation, a little bit of a toss-up for Steve Spurrier in the Gamecocks before the year. This is the guy both you and me thought would be the go-to guy. Now, is he done for the year? You don't know. He's supposed to be. He's out. He's going to be out for a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, he's going to be in the hospital. I think till around the end of the week is what I read with the infection in his hip alone. So that will definitely roll him out for this couple, week and for a week. A couple of people. A couple of people on Periscope here said it's time for the old ball coach to hang it up. I think this will be his last year. Actually. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I've been saying this all year, all through the offseason. I'm in the minority on this one. I still like South Carolina. I, I'm I, with you. I, still I like expected him. Kentucky to be improved coming into this year. They're bringing back – they're one of the most experienced teams coming back in the SEC this year. And it's not like they were bad last year. Now, down the stretch, sure. Late in the year, that defense was struggling. Georgia hung 63 on them. Tennessee hung 50 on them. But that they look better. Kentucky looks like a pretty damn good football team right now. I, to go in the, on the road and beat South Carolina in Columbia, I'm telling you, that is no easy feat. And Farrell Cooper may be South Carolina's offense right now, but if they can get that quarterback situation figure out, figured out, I think they can. if they can establish a little bit of a running game, I, I have trust in Steve Spurrier. I think they're going to be okay offensively. If you look at the defense, their defense has improved. I still like South Carolina. I don't know that they're going to end up third in the East like I picked them originally. Maybe I need to have them a little further back than that. But I think they can definitely get to a bowl game, and, and I think that Steve Spurrier is still doing just fine at South Carolina. He, People are right, though. He doesn't have long to go. No, not Regardless long. of how this year turns out, whether it is his last year or not, this guy has done it all, man. I mean, when I rank coaches, which, you know, that's tough to do, but say you're going to rank some head coaches, Steve Spurrier is at the top for me. To He's do what there, he yeah. did... He is a program builder. He always has been. 
He went to Duke, and and look what he did at Duke. True. I mean, that was good enough to get to the ACC title game at Duke. So that's good enough to get in the head coaching job at Florida, where I think uh, everybody knows he he did all right there. You know, won a national title, basically won the SEC every year, and then uh, yeah, and then he yeah a little a little stint at Washington didn't go very well, but. He goes to South Carolina, who was basically like Vanderbilt and Kentucky. They were a a before Spurrier got there. South Carolina was at the bottom of the SEC. Oh yeah, it was terrible program. Georgia, those were the only teams. Terrible program. That terrible program with little funding. And Spurrier, if you watch the documentary they did on him, Spurrier said, "You know what? We always had those boosters. Somebody just needed to call them, and that's what he did. I mean, he he's a he's a." He's a program builder. No, he did, he did not win the SEC in 1998. That's a good point. That that's a great point. Spurrier didn't get it done that year, but I think he definitely had Fulmer's number for the most part. So uh, anyway, that's pretty much it as far as uh, current news headlines. Connor Mitch, a little injury there. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, yeah, Cardale Jones uh, basically reaffirmed as the starter. Uh, if you're interested in anything with uh, anything with Ohio State, obviously that's outside the SEC, but. Thirty-eight to t- thirty-eight to nothing. Yeah, got a stat over, here. Over Hawaii. Got a, a stat here. Five and twelve was Fulmer versus Florida. Yeah, thanks for the stat. Thanks a lot. That yeah, Spurrier definitely had his number for the most part. So anyway, uh, we're going to come back here in just a few minutes. We're going to take a quick break. If you're watching on Periscope, we hope you stay tuned. Um, if you don't, that's okay. <laughs> you can always catch the podcast format going up in a couple of days. Obviously, this is the live, uncut version, so uh, we do thank everybody for listening, though. So give us about five minutes, and we'll be back here. Cody McClure Show, segment two, coming up. Your home for SEC football is the Cody McClure Show here on Three Point Stance Magazine. Hey, this is the Fat Jack. Another week in the books. My clients and I turn a profit again, Keith, by a 4-1 and one Saturday. Now 14-3 and three against the Las Vegas spread with my top selections. Are you playing the games against the spread? Going to Las Vegas this weekend? Do not go it alone. Call 1-800-298-1383. Or the easiest way, go to FatJackSports.com. Get all the selections emailed to you. They're text to your cell phone. Very hassle-free winning selections. That's 1-800-298-1383 or FatJackSports.com. Only $299 gets you all the selections through the end of September or save money with the longer packages. Don't fall for the fly-by-night hype of some of those handicapping services. My clients are 14-3 and three against the spread, and we're going to win again this weekend. $299, everything through the end of the month. That's 1-800-298-1383 or FatJackSports.com for winning selections this weekend. It's our favorite time of the year. It's football season, finally. And Three Point Stance Magazine is here, ready to deliver all the news from the trenches. Three Point Stance Magazine is a website, digital magazine, and podcast focused on the world of football. Go to 3psmag.com. That's the number 3psmag.com. Or just simply find us on Twitter at 3psmag. And join in on the mayhem that is Three Point Stance Magazine. A unique perspective on the game we all know and love. And just because you're a listener of the Fat Jack Sports Hour, if you use the code FATJACK, 
When signing up for the magazine, you'll receive a 40% discount off the cover price. Even if you're just getting one issue, or if you're signing up for the full season ticket, 18 issues of Three Point Stance Magazine, 40% off the cover price if you put in the code word FATJACK at sign up. Three Point Stance Magazine. News, insights, and commentary from inside the trenches. Commercials are over. Now, back to the Cody McClure Show. Welcome back to the Cody McClure Show, segment two. If you missed us in the first half hour, basically we just talked a little current news in the SEC, touched on some headlines and uh, some tidbits about things going around, things going around, going on after uh, week three. Uh, Vikings 49ers tonight on it and on uh, Monday Night Football, of course. Actually, it's a doubleheader tonight, isn't it? Yeah, Phillies I need playing. about Adrian Peterson. I need Adrian Peterson to go for about 400 yards right now at this point. Uh, who's Philly playing right now? Philly is playing Atlanta. Okay, and then it's you, the matchup of the birds. All right, I knew you had Minnesota later on against yes, Minnesota uh, at. Talk about at San Francisco and then yeah, talk, at Atlanta. Talk about a late kick, man. What is that, like 10-15 that 10, game 15, kicks off? 10-15 kickoff, of course, it's on the West Coast. But always that sort of typical week one uh, Monday night doubleheader. NFL does a couple of those. But yeah, whew, it's going to be tough to stay we'll actually and make be, it through that one. We'll actually be able to watch that game. <laughs> um, all right, anyway, so back to some SEC talk because that's what we're here 6-15 for. 6-15 here in Alaska, all right. 6-15 in Alaska. Oh, my God. we got an Alaska viewer? Hey, man, thanks for tuning in. That's awesome. 615 in Alaska. Okay, so back to the SEC. Um, Getting into this previous weekend's games, a lot of fun in week two. Obviously, some major, major going-ons in the SEC. Let's just start out with the early game. Auburn and Jacksonville State. If you're an Auburn, world, oh my God! If you're an Auburn fan right now, you got to just be sitting there like, okay, okay, Jeremy Johnson. Maybe he's not Cam Newton. Maybe some of the comparisons were a little, uh, a little early. You know, I, I, first of all, people comparing Jer- Jeremy Johnson to Cam Newton, I thought that was foolish to begin with because. Cam Newton, to me, is a once-in-a-generation kind of athlete. I completely agree. I mean, that guy was money. How Can you think of one player who has made a bigger difference in one year than Cam Newton did when he was at Auburn? One player making the impact in one year. I mean, without Cam Newton, that Auburn team that year probably goes 9-3, and 8-4. and four. I mean... Yeah. I mean, they had Malzahn calling the shots, yeah, but Cam Newton, he's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of guy. Russell Wilson at Wisconsin is nah, the only one I can nah. think is even close. No he's way. Not, he's not there, but he's the only one I can think of. No way, no way. There's somebody. I'm sure somebody will give us a name, but Herschel, yeah, Herschel, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Herschel made a pretty big impact at Georgia. Uh, but, yeah, Cam Newton one year, I mean, that was a 14-0 national title team. So, yeah, where is this comparison coming from with Jeremy Johnson? I think it's way too early to be making that comparison. Yeah, it's way too early because he threw uh, three picks against Louisville, and then he came out and threw a couple against Jacksonville State. He hasn't looked good at all. I mean, the he way he's, not. the way that Jeremy Johnson is throwing the ball right now, he looks like a guy that yeah he looked yeah first half of the Arkansas game last year. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. He looked he good was, then. Uh, 20, he looked good against Arkansas, but man, the, to starting off the year, he has looked horrible. Twenty-one or thirty-two for two hundred thirty-six yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, one of the reasons why Auburn struggled, but Auburn just overall, I mean, 
So where there was Auburn in well, that game. Well, so the completion percentage is not horrible. No, it wasn't not horrible Saturday. But it's some of those passes you got to take into consideration. The short passes, the dumping off to the running back passes. When he really steps up to try to throw it, he looks nothing like Cam Newton. No. I mean, this guy, somebody said deer in the headlights. This guy is throwing to the defender. I mean, some of these passes, he didn't even try to hit his target. <laughs> At least that's how it looked Saturday. No, no, and I said this uh, when we were doing the score recap. How in the world does Auburn give up 438 yards to Jacksonville State, let alone let them run 91 plays? And that's after Will Muschamp's defense looked so good in the first half against Louisville. They let Louisville come back in that game. and But, I mean, I don't fault them for that. That's going no. up against a Bobby Petrino-coached offense. But... Yeah, Jacksonville State, okay, I, I'll give it to them. They're no slouch in the FCS. No, they're a pretty good team. I'll give it to them. They're, they're a good team, but to play Auburn like that, oh. you got to realize, Auburn, I don't, I don't care who they're playing in the FCS. I don't care if it's Montana or North Dakota State or any of those good FCS teams. When you're picked to win the SEC, you got to pull an Ole Miss against Fresno State. you got to go out and win that game handily, and that's why they no. slid 10 spots in the polls. True. I, I, I want to ask you this. This week, they're on the road in Death Valley against LSU. Do you think they were just looking ahead? No. No, I don't. I mean, I, I think you can, yeah, maybe you can blame, use that as blame every now and then. People do that. You know, people like to say, well, they were looking ahead. The game was sandwiched into a, into a tough week. You know, it was between the Louisville game and the LSU game. I don't buy that. You come out on Saturday... I, it's, it's got to be hard to have the intensity for Jacksonville State that it would be to have for a big SEC game. I, I understand that. It's hard to get up for that team. But still, when you find yourself in a game like that, and, you, and you're just playing, they were playing to lose. Oh, they were, yeah. Definitely. I mean, when you find yourself in that situation, you got to win that game. Did Muschamp get out coached? Ah, I don't know. Jacksonville, yeah, maybe. I tell you what, what, what I saw from Jacksonville State offensively, they, they did like, it reminded me of, Tennessee kind of did this with Eric Ainge in 2007. Those quick slants, those short yeah. passes, just dink and dunk down the field, kind of like Georgia does. Yeah, That's what Jacksonville State was doing, and they hung around in that game. And I'm telling you. If you okay. pick up two or three yards every play, you're going to be successful. Yeah, and, and what it was, I don't know if Muschamp necessarily got out coached, but a 27-20 game, that was the final in overtime. I don't know, Sam, if you had a chance to watch the end of that game. Uh, just I the did. highlights, that was it. I did watch it because I, I was almost late getting to the Tennessee-Oklahoma game, but I had to stick around to watch the end of that thing. 20-13, to Jacksonville State scores a touchdown and gets up in that game. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, not only that, but the next possession, Auburn fumbles. Jacksonville State had a chance to ice that thing. Auburn, oh, had a, Auburn had all three timeouts, so they weren't able to do it. And if it weren't for a 20-yard a punt from Jacksonville State right there, I'm not going to say Auburn doesn't drive the field and tie it anyway, but the the it was a horrible punt with little time remaining oh, for yeah. Jacksonville State there. But, man, just a couple of first downs, you ice that thing and, and beat Auburn. But, yeah, I pretty much knew when it was going to overtime that Auburn would pull it out. It's just... It had that feeling yeah. to it, you know. Would that have equaled uh, App State beating Michigan yeah. years ago to oh, you yeah. in your mind? Absolutely. I was already getting ready to tweet it. I was uh, I was sitting there like, oh, my God, if Jacksonville State <laughs> pulls this off. Yeah, forget Appy State and Michigan. That would have been huge. That would have been huge. So we almost saw a big upset in week one there. As a result, Auburn slid several spots in the polls. Um, 
We actually did end up seeing an upset, but let's let's wait just a second on uh, talking about that uh, game down in Little Rock. Auburn's record seven and six. Ah, man, I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to put too much stock into it. Yeah, they looked bad, but I don't want to. After this week, yeah, I don't want to dismiss them just yet. I want to see how they play against LSU. I still think Auburn's a good football team. That. I'm thinking that's a team that wins eight or nine games. They got to get something going at quarterback. Oh, yeah, but, they got to find the answer here. But yeah, eight and four, maybe that's a good pick. We'll see how they do against LSU, and we'll talk about that later on. Uh, let's go down to Oxford. Already touched on it a little bit, but Chad Kelly threw for 346 yards against Fresno State. Again, second week in a row, Ole Miss. They're basically trying to look like Baylor, I think. They, uh-huh, I think you're right. <laughs> you remember how Baylor started the year? Oh, uh, yeah. Wasn't last year, was it, but uh, two years ago. Yeah, two years ago, yeah. Baylor came out and scored like 70 points in three or four straight games. I mean, right now, Ole Miss is averaging 74.5 points on offense. So, clearly, they are clicking on all cylinders. But also, clearly, they haven't played anybody. Fresno State, better than UT Martin. Um, and, and Treadwell done anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Treadwell. Yeah. Treadwell but, um, but, no, seriously, I mean, I, I just don't think – Lee Corso said on game day Saturday morning that, that Fresno State was going to cover the spread. And when I saw that score, I, I laughed to myself, and I thought, uh, unless the spread was 54, I, I think he was uh, out of luck on that one. But, yeah, no way Ole Miss is scoring 70 on Bama. Hashtag roll tide. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. That, like I said, I doubt they'll score half that. Uh, I think if Ole Miss were to score 35 in that game, that, that's probably a good sign for the Rebels. But uh, Ole Miss, somebody else says they're going to get an awakening. They're not ready for Bama. Uh, well, they were ready last year, but, I mean, totally different year. I do totally. like the way Ole Miss's offense looks, but I mean, they hadn't played anybody. Kelly's gone up against subpar defenses, but, I mean, still 20-25. Still only five incompletions on the night. I mean, the one good thing is they're getting some of their backups and some of the people deeper down the death chart a lot of reps because they're blowing these teams out so bad. I mean, we'll see. Like eight different people carry the ball for the Rebels. Really? Uh, I didn't yeah. know that. I think it was eight different running backs. Ten. Well. Yeah, Tim, counting Kelly, yeah. counting the quarterback Kelly. You mean they caught passes or they actually carried the ball? They actually carried the ball. Well, That's under rushing. Ten well, different rushers. Uh, for for Ole Miss, Kelly ran it five times which, and scored a rushing touchdown. So, actually, he was responsible for five touchdowns. It's pretty um, good ball distribution. He's been a pretty good-looking player. Looks like he's been everything that he's been chalked up to be. But we're going to find out this week uh, if he's really that good or not. As Lee Corso likes to say, not so fast, my not friend. Not so fast, yeah. Think he gets a little bit of a rude <laughs> awakening against Bama. I know you and me weren't real high on them. Maybe we're both thinking. I mean, we not were our smartest decision we were, placing him fifth in the SEC West. Well, we were critical because they had lost so much offensively. But Bama is one of those few teams. We talked about it. Them and probably Georgia, one of the few teams that where a guy goes down. They have somebody waiting in the Next wings. Next man up. They've got they a guy right there anyone. ready to play. Yeah. I mean, Alabama has that luxury. They have a roster to where they can do that. And, yeah, their defense is better than last season. Which is I, the real big surprise I think to me. I think that's going to be true, too. Well, I, they, they brought back, I think, eight well, starters. Yeah, but defense, I thought so. losing Landon Collins for them was a almost a death blow because even bringing back eight people, he had almost double the tackles of the next highest person on the list. 
I mean, Landon Collins was everything for them last year, it seems like. But I think Kelly Bama. finds out what it means to play in the SEC this week. Bama looks like Bama this year. That's what somebody just said. Uh, yeah, they do right now. But Right now. But That's again, the key word again, right now. As we just talked about with Auburn. It's a bigger stage this weekend. They're getting into SEC West play, and that's why week three is going to be so much fun. But before we get to week three, let's continue uh, talking about this past Saturday's games. Georgia on the road in Nashville took down Vanderbilt 31-14. to um, Georgia didn't look all that good. I was no. not impressed with Georgia. Vanderbilt was never in the game. They never had a chance. You never really thought to yourself, Vanderbilt's going to get in this game and, and, get, and give it a shot. But, I mean, really, Georgia didn't look all that great. They got out early, ended up pulling away late in the second half. But the fact that Vanderbilt scored 14 points, I mean, I know you don't want to talk about moral victories, but and Johnny McCreary had 295 yards. I mean, I think if you're Vanderbilt, from an offensive perspective, after that horrible showing against Western Kentucky, where which let's do remember in that game, they did move the ball, but they struggled in the red zone. So... Vanderbilt's offense is starting to move the move the ball a little bit now. They're starting to be able to throw the ball uh, again. McCrary went for almost 300 on Georgia's defense, so you got to be yeah. pleased with that. They get out of there scoring only 14 points, though. Were you surprised at all that Georgia didn't win that game by a higher margin? I mean, I was. I really thought Georgia would absolutely just destroy the spread. Um, but you know, I said in our SEC preview show for those of you who listened. The only thing I would guarantee about Vanderbilt this year is that they would have the coolest looking helmet in 2015. Well, they wore their yeah, oh deep, yeah, deep water uniforms yeah. for that game. That helmet is the coolest looking helmet in all of football. But Vanderbilt, I mean, actually, I'm really, really impressed with them. I mean, 400 total yards, only four penalties for 20 yards, which is a lot better. Georgia nine penalties for 83 yards, so that really hurt them. Um. Vanderbilt ran 92 plays in that game against the dog defense, which is surprising. Yeah. That's a lot higher percentage of 92 plays. 92 plays? Yeah. yeah we've ever seen Vanderbilt run. That's a lot of plays. But once again, one thing that killed them with Western Kentucky, turnovers. Right. Three turnovers against the Bulldogs. And you can't do that. Against a team like Georgia, you can't – I mean, you can't do that against a top-10 team. No, you, you – Like Georgia, they shot themselves in the foot. Vanderbilt might could have been in this game even more. If they had an, if they can figure out how to cut down on mistakes, Vanderbilt might be able to pull out a couple. Well, of, hey, I, I said this here. going into the year about Vanderbilt. They played every team in the SEC East last year as bad as they looked at times, losing by thirty to Temple, uh, getting by against Charleston Southern by one point. The the tough game with UMass, they looked awful at some points. But against every team in the SEC East last year, besides Florida and Georgia, Vanderbilt stayed within two scores. They gave Tennessee all they wanted, and, and I know we've already talked about this, but just the fact that they were competitive in some of those games last year and that they brought 18 starters back this year, upgraded at offensive coordinator, and Derek Mason starts calling the shots for the defense. So I think Vanderbilt's going to get better week by week. I do think they will. They're, they're probably not going to get to a bowl game, but they're not going to be as bad as they were last year. And so, yeah, Georgia scoring only 31 points, 31-14. They didn't cover the spread. I know uh, you and I do weekly pickums for the Tennessee Journalist, and I, that was the bonus game this week, and I think everybody had Georgia minus 20-and-a-half in that game. I think there's only one per, one or two people that didn't, and we both kind of thought they were crazy. Yeah. Um, but, but I do want to ask you one question, because you mentioned Vanderbilt starting quarterback. 
He did almost rope. He threw 295 yards, sorry. 24 of 50, so just under 50% completion percentage. Bad completion percentage. But, I mean, when you throw the ball 50 times, you're going to rack True. up some yards. Three picks, though. Yeah. How big is the inconsistent play of the quarterback for Vanderbilt to you going forward? Well, here's what I like. Here's what I like. The fact that he did accumulate some yards. Now, I know you kind of got to, again, take it with a grain of salt because, yeah, he only completed half of his passes. And when you throw the ball 50 times, okay, yeah, you're going to accumulate some yards. You're bound to have a few completions. So, yeah, the three picks are tough. But it's not like Vanderbilt was playing a bad team. Here's the deal. Vanderbilt's not going to get to a bowl game. No, but not. But they played Georgia who's picked to win the SEC East and a pretty good secondary and defense overall with Georgia. So, yeah, McCrary turns it over three three times, but the 300 yards passing, I think, is a bright spot because it shows that Vanderbilt could at least move the ball on Georgia. And a team a little bit more on their level, Western Kentucky, that they, they lost that game close, but if not for turnovers, obviously Vanderbilt moved the ball in that game. So we'll see how it progresses for Vanderbilt. Uh, Georgia gets out of there with a 17-point win in Nashville. Uh, back to Alabama. Uh, again, we touched on this one a, a bit, but Middle Tennessee down in Tuscaloosa went down there. You thought that they would give Bama a fight, and they did for a quarter or two. Alabama pulls out of there, 37-10 win. Not a whole lot to talk about in that game. Coker looked pretty good. The running game looked pretty good. Just a good, classic, old-fashioned Alabama win. 37 to 10, got the job done, went home on to Ole Miss. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, I said I thought that game would be close, and I, I was kind of right for the most part. For a little while. The thing that hurt MTSU the most, four turnovers. But that's what helped Bama the most. Yeah. Bama wasn't necessarily, they weren't unimpressive, but they weren't necessarily overly impressive in this game. But they did what they had to do to win the game, and honestly, that's all that matters at the end of the day is that you did what you had to do to get the W up on the board. And, I mean, we talked about this may be one of the biggest matchups in the country, Ole Miss and Bama from Tuscaloosa this week. It's definitely the marquee SEC matchup. I, I just like Bama because they're a lot more prepared right now, I feel like, playing yeah. the two teams that they played so far and really beating both of them pretty soundly. Handily, I mean, MTSU, they're not a great team, but they're not a bad team. They're one of the better teams in the uh, in the lower level. Yeah. But, I mean. Solid Sun Belt team. Well, I think they're actually in. Have they moved to they, Conference they USA? They moved Conference, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, Conference USA now. Well, regardless. But they, still, good. Yeah, not a bad team. Not a bad team. But Bama did what they needed to do. They got out of the ballpark with a win, 37-10. to Nothing much to talk about there. Again, the big game for Alabama this weekend. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Cody McClure Show, uh, hour one here, alongside my co-host Sam Foreman, talking about this past weekend's action in the SEC, and uh, and also we'll get into week three coming up here in just a, just a little while. But uh, for now, keeping it in uh, week one. By the way, the Cody McClure Show presented by Three Point Stance Magazine. Um, Ball State went down to College Station to play A&M, and again, like Bama's game, just a solid win for Texas A&M. They just did their thing, 56-23. That looks like a pretty average Texas A&M score against a pretty average opponent. So 
Ball State, I mean, yeah. What do you want to talk about? Nothing to talk about. I mean, there's not really anything except for Keenan Allen, 10 of 13. So he only threw 13 passes. Yeah. Three of those were touchdowns. Yeah, A&M, A&M got... <laughs> That's about the only yeah, thing they, that interests me in this one. A&M got the reserves in there pretty quick. They went in against Ball State, 56-23. Moving on, an interesting game in Jonesboro. And this was a game that I went on record last week on this show, and I said... Arkansas, I picked Arkansas State to win it. I did it a little bit just out of fun. You know, I didn't know if they'd really win it, but I knew that Arkansas State in Jonesboro was going to be challenging. Missouri didn't look too good against Southeast Missouri State in week one. I think the spread on that game was 10.5, and, and, you know, the way I put it after the game was uh, at least one team from Arkansas looked like they could compete against the SEC right now. So, uh, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I, I really I pissed some people off with that one. But, yeah, Arkansas State, I know uh, my friend Colton Bailey, he's always he's always tuning in with us. He he goes to ASU there. He was at the game sending me updates. Uh, Missouri, I mean, they got lucky to get out of there, 27-20. They beat Arkansas State in Jonesboro. Um, yeah, Matty Mock with another INT. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't know why they played in Jonesboro, but that is neat. The fact well, for for ASU that's the biggest home game in ASU's history without a doubt, but uh, and they led that game. I mean Arkansas State was up for a while and Missouri had to fight to win it and and got out of there luckily with a twenty seven twenty victory. But Arkansas State's one of those programs. Hugh Freeze and Gus Malzahn both coached there, kind of a stepping stone program. But I mean when it comes to the not the Power Five but the what do they call it the best of five yeah the I other conferences. I mean, year in and year out, Arkansas State's going to be one of those teams right there as one of the best best of five teams. And they gave Missouri all they wanted. Oh, they did. And one thing that you and me both said as to why we weren't as high on Missouri is the inconsistency of Matty Mock. I think one of the Periscope followers just called him Matty Ice. Uh, 16 of 36, 148 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. The really interesting thing is that he ran the ball 10 times for 75 yards. He was actually their leading rusher. That's something you definitely don't see every day. Uh, I wonder if the game would have been a little bit different if Hansborough was healthier. He did carry the ball five times for 15 yards after getting injured uh, last week in Missouri's opener. Just inconsistency from Missouri all around. Just not big on them. And honestly, that, I was with you. I think we picked this game for the Tennessee Journalist as well, and I think I took Arkansas State in that one. Yeah. I, and uh, really I really didn't just think I was getting that I mean, one wrong. Yeah. We just kind of did it for fun. You yeah. know, it's not like – I don't know. I got a lot of friends there. I know I'm pretty close to the Arkansas State's program, so I would have loved to have seen ASU get the win over Missouri there. But that would have been one time I wasn't upset that the it, SEC lost yeah, to a team I mean, like that. Honestly. I mean, it, it didn't happen, but still, what a great game for Jonesboro. I mean, and, and like somebody else said, Missouri will probably find well, a way to win the SEC East again. Yeah, they probably, probably will. They'll probably get shut out by Georgia again and, and find a way to win the East. But anyway... So moving on, uh, Missouri, a close winner there in Jonesboro. East Carolina at Florida. Gators get out of the swamp with a 31-24 win. Tackling each other again. As always, but this time it was beneficial. True. This East Carolina team is not really the team that they have been in the past. No. East Carolina, they've lost a lot from last year. Last year, this team beat Virginia Tech after a week after Virginia Tech beat Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Uh, they've played South Carolina close in, in recent memory. They've played North Carolina close. This is not as good of a team, I don't think, 
for uh, for East Carolina, but they they really hung around. Hargraves didn't play, no, but but still, I mean, Florida comes out with a 31-24 victory. I think if you're a Gator fan, you're not necessarily ecstatic about a 31-24 win over East Carolina, but I think you're comfortable. And I heard somebody say today, you know, that I'll take a close win, an ugly win over a a pretty loss any day of the week. Yeah. So if you're a Gator fan, you're sitting there at 2-0, and so you got to be thinking, okay, we'll deal with it, we'll move on. Gators are going to be tested this week and really over the next seven yeah. weeks as they get into conference play, but at least Florida's 2-0 and uh, going into the Kentucky game. And, and the Gators, you know, they looked all right. I mean, not a lot to – what were you going to say? Here's the two biggest things to be concerned with in my mind. Two turnovers – which, I mean, you won the battle, you got Eastern Carolina, you made three, but 12 penalties for 105 yards. I mean, with a new coaching staff. Well, they're implementing a new offense. A new offense. You got to wonder, those penalties are going to, that kind of penalty yards is going to hurt you a lot more against Kentucky than it did against Eastern Carolina. Yeah. I mean, so that's something to keep an eye on and be a little bit antsy about if you're a Gator fan, but you can't complain with 2-0 and heading into a big matchup with Kentucky. You would have liked for this to have been a more comfortable win in the swamp. Probably would have liked to have not seen your players tackle each other again. No. But, hey, you won the game. You should be happy with that. Speaking of Kentucky, how about the Wildcats Saturday? Going down to Columbia and beating South Carolina 26-22. And Kentucky got ahead in that game. And, I mean, South Carolina had to try to come back. I mean, they were just scratching at, basically scratching at the heels of the Wildcats. And uh, Boom Williams looked good going for over 100 yards against South Carolina's defense. I, I said it in, in our last segment. I think Kentucky's for real this year. I agree with you. Kentucky led. I mean, South Carolina got out to a 7 nothing lead. Kentucky tied it up pretty quickly after that. And it was Kentucky the rest of the way. Kentucky controlled the game the entire time. I mean... You said it. I mean, Williams, 107 yards, carried the ball 14 times. Kemp carried it 13 times for 78 yards. Kemp got the touchdown. I mean, those two guys, if they're splitting the carries evenly like that, Kentucky's got one of the better back combinations in the SEC in a league that almost anymore seems like it would be so incredibly hard to determine who's actually got the best set of backs. We just had our third person of the night on Periscope say Spurrier's out this year. <laughs> hey, people, a lot of people think people that. are thinking that, man. People think Spurrier is donezo after this year. Apparently, I mean, yeah, he's getting old. I mean, I, I think this hey, is his last year, but I can't guarantee anything. You remember? I want you to think about something though. Think back to last year, South Carolina obliterated by Texas A and M. True. In, in week one, they come out a week or two later and beat Georgia. And everybody's thinking, well, where did this come from? Well, I mean, what's going on with this? South Carolina, guess who they play this week? Georgia in Athens. If South Carolina comes out and wins that game, nobody's giving them a chance. I get that. Nobody's giving Carolina a chance. But if they come out and win that game against Georgia this week, everybody's going to be like, well, the old ball coach still has it. Clemson lost, started his retirement. Maybe. Maybe nah, so. Maybe. maybe. I mean, if, I'm not going to argue it. Hey, if they beat the Dogs... Who knows? You and me both are a lot are both higher on them than a lot of people. Yeah, and it, Look, this loss to Kentucky doesn't change that for me. Now maybe the Connor Mitch injury makes me a little bit more nervous about that. Maybe I slide them to fourth instead of. I mean, third. I wasn't that confident but, in Connor Mitch anyway. I mean, so 
I, we both picked him to be the starter, but we never said he'd be great. No. It's, I still think South Carolina's a dark horse, and, you know, we'll talk about picks later in the show. Kentucky ends the streak versus Florida this year. So does Tennessee. That's what uh, – I yeah, agree with yeah, both they, of those, actually. They, but we'll get to that later in the show, but happen. I agree with both yeah, of those. Yeah, that may happen. But, hey, here's, here's all I want to say, and we're going to take another quick break. But all I want to say about South Carolina, don't write them off yet. I would not write the old ball coach off yet. Don't do it. Maybe, don't do it. Maybe – Maybe this is his last year. A lot of people think that. Maybe he's out after this year, but don't write him off yet. If they come out and beat Georgia this week, everybody's going to say, ah, that damned old ball I coach. I wouldn't be surprised. You can't. Spurrier has magic still left in him. <laughs> that damned I'm old ball you. coach. Yeah, somebody <laughs> just said they were in kindergarten the last time Florida lost to Kentucky. We're going to take a break on that note. Um, Unfortunately, it happens to everybody. Yeah, let's take a break on that note. Um, Cody McClure's show presented by Three Point Stance Magazine. Give us five minutes. We'll be back on Periscope. And uh, if, uh, if you don't stay with us again, the podcast will be up uh, here in just a couple of days. So stay tuned. Cody McClure's show, hour two, coming up. Your home for SEC football is the Cody McClure show here on Three Point Stance Magazine. 